Coffee with Humans is live, candid conversations between strangers who become friends. Made possible with your support. Subscribe, share, and comment on your favorite platform. Get Coffee with Humans mugs and more. Links are at coffeewithhumans.com. Thanks for joining me. It's true. We are live here with Coffee with Humans with my new friend, Beth. Beth, welcome to Coffee with Humans. Good morning. Good morning to you. So uh, let's get this first out of the way. Now, mm-hmm. we have listeners and viewers from all over the world, uh, and, and most people probably by now know that I'm in northern Illinois. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here. You and I haven't discussed it, have we? But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you're also in northern Illinois. I am. I am uh, probably not very far from you at all. That's probably true. I know this from your area code uh, on the phone number that you gave me. And then uh, also from just a tiny little bit of discussion that we had before we went live here. Well, I'm excited to have you on Coffee with Humans. And I know that when we were uh, talking be, uh, before the broadcast, we were talking about, you know, what you might name this chat. And you mm-hmm. you had some topics that were on your mind um, about forging ahead, which is uh, an interesting one. And you were also talking about setting goals and all sorts of stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. Uh, first, though, the obligatory, how are you doing after COVID? Are you, are you through it? Are you... Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really kind of over it, but, uh, um, you know, I think I, I found myself doing a lot of pondering of what kinds of things are going to exist now that didn't exist before, you know, things like this, like this podcast, um, mm. you know, that, that we wouldn't have done before. What were we forced to do? that now we're going to be like, hey, that that's, you know, that's really not so bad. Or, you know, what kinds of things are going to be invented and um, become, you know, beneficial to society as a result of the struggle, you know, because that's, that's usually what forces people to change is having a pain point. And so I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what sorts of innovation and advances and, and, um, technology and 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 society are going to come about from from this yeah that's a pretty wise answer uh talking about how struggle leads to uh innovation and change mm-hmm. and how this is really the opportunity has it led yeah. to any significant um any significant uh innovations for you it has um it it wasn't one that, that I was excited about initially, um, but it has caused me to have the time to um, explore a new career opportunity. Um, you know, I've, I've always had an interest in, in public speaking and, um, you know, I had started working with a coach uh, back in the fall and uh, just because I was like, you know, what? I've got, you know, I'm, I'm just going to develop this as a personal hobby and, and interest. And then in the end of November, I ended up losing my job because, um, you know, I worked for a not-for-profit that made its money um, gathering lots and lots of people in places together. And when you can't do that, you know, there's no, no income coming in, which means that people in uh, non-essential functions are unfortunately, you know, eliminated from, you know, my, my position was eliminated. 
And so yeah. it's given me the time and the drive to put more energy into developing this interest and hopefully taking it forward. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as, as you noted, uh, one of the things that came out of the, uh, the pandemic and lockdown is Coffee with Humans, which is why you and I get to connect today. So I'm I'm thankful to have you here. I'm thankful to to learn about you and, and share your story. And also, uh, as I mentioned before the before the broadcast, it's dialogue, not a monologue. And for our viewers and listeners who are uh, just joining us, Coffee with Humans is candid conversations between strangers who become friends. And Beth and I don't know each other yet. We met uh, about ten minutes ago, uh, a little bit more. And then we're going to get to know each other through this, through this talk. And you, all of our viewers and listeners are along for the ride. So welcome to everybody. So what's this forging ahead thing uh, about? Why is, why is forging ahead the, the topic that you would name our time together? I feel like it's, it's a big theme uh, in my way of thinking and in a lot of things that are happening in my life. Um, you know, one of the topics, one of the other, you know, uh, titles that I, I mentioned, uh, was, you know, losing it all. And, mm. you know, once you've lost it all, there's just one way and, and that's forward. And, you know, you can't, you can't focus on what should have been or what, you know, would have been, you can only focus on what is and move it forward. And if you don't like what it is, then as you move forward, you change it. And mm. if you do like what it is, then as you move forward, you can improve it or tweak it or whatever. But um, you can't stay where you are and you can't, you can't fix what should have or could have or would have been. And so that's, that's kind of my, one of my mantras in life is just to move forward. And uh, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> move, move forward and here we are. <laughs> Right. That's pretty concise. Right. Yes, <laughs> it seems it see it seems uh, it seems simple. I can't, I can't imagine that coming to the conclusion of moving forward has been a simple or easy process. Yeah. No, no, not at all. There's there's been an extreme amount of growth and healing. I've lost several very you know significant people in my life within a very short time span. I, I lost my my mom. And then just a few months later, I lost my dad. And then I lost a maternal grandmother less than a year later. And then my husband uh, shortly after that. So, um, wow. It's, yeah. Then a, a, a bumpy road. And, uh, you, you know, it's easy to get bogged down in, in why me? And, you know, this isn't fair. And, but the the truth is that the the only option is to go forward, and you know, um, Viktor Frankl, you know, in the the meaning of man or man's search for meaning, you know, talked about how you know once you find a purpose in your suffering, it's no longer suffering, and you can endure just about anything. And that really, I have found um, to be true, and uh, so that's you know my goal is to use the the experiences that I went through to help other people, to guide other people through the difficulties that they may have and um and and give, you know, the experiences that I've had uh, a purpose. 
how did you come about the understanding or the, maybe the will even to find purpose in the middle of, of all of that pain? Um, so the, the first person to pass was, was my mom and her last week of life. Uh, she, I did the hospice care here in my home and, um, it just seemed, you know, all the, all the things that seemed unfair. I felt like I needed more time with her. I, um, I wanted to make sure that she understood how loved she was. And, and I knew that the way to do that was to care for her. And she had this amazing, amazing hospice nurse and she taught me a lot. And, um, you know, in learning how to care for my mom, you know, and then my mom passed and, uh, and then my dad had hospice care at, at his home. And, uh, and then when, when my husband got cancer and we got to the point that he was needing palliative care and then hospice care at home, um, I found that I had a confidence in knowing that I could care for him that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't already done it. You know, um, when we look back on, on you know, all our days, it's like, well, you know, we made it through every one of them. And uh, so it just, you know, I had this confidence at knowing that, okay, well, maybe this is why I did this with my mom so that I could do this now and and know that I was giving um, Bill the, the best comfort and care that I could and, you know, not be afraid. How long has it been since you've been on the other side of, of that time? Um, Bill passed away in, on February 17th of 2019. Mm. So it really hasn't been that long. Yeah. No, um, you know, but when, when you find out that your spouse has terminal cancer, so he was diagnosed in April of 2017, and that's really when uh, your a spouse starts to grieve loss. Um, you know, you don't typically, uh, you know, when, when you know it's coming, you know, yeah. you start grieving right away because the, the relationship changes almost immediately. You know, you go from being a spouse to a caregiver and a supporter and a you know, cheerleader and an educator and, you know, all of those things. Um, and so the relationship shifts so significantly that you really kind of start grieving almost immediately. And yeah. so, you know, in that respect, it's been four years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's still, you're never ready for that moment. Um, but I feel like because of the other losses that I had just had, um, I understood it a lot more. You know, grief is an amazing teacher. Whether you want the lesson or not, grief is a fantastic teacher of compassion and, you know, knowing what kinds of things are actually helpful for people. And I mean, and that, that's different for everybody, but, but really there are some things that you, when you haven't experienced it, you think, oh, this would be helpful, but it's, it's not, you know. Yeah. I found the, 
I've, I found that grief is a hard, um, is a hard, uh, uh, pathway to walk. Mm-hmm. I'm resistant to walking the pathway of grief. And yet, um, everyone would say people who've been through people, people who've dealt with significant grief, mm-hmm. uh, and have, and have gone down that pathway, um, fully pressed into it at times have understand the healing power, the healing necessity really mm-hmm. of going through the grieving process, uh, which I think some people, me for sure, are, mm-hmm. are resistant, highly resistant, I would say to that, yeah. to that process. I'm getting better. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting better at it. Um, but it's, I, I, I find, I find for me, I search for meaning too quickly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, sometimes instead of, we don't get instead of allowing to just right. sit. Right. Exactly. Instead of just sitting in it for a while, you know, and I'll yeah. just allowing, um, I think what you said, it will just, it, it just is right. It, what you do with it. It just is. And, um, there is something to just be, to just living with what is and making decisions off of that instead of, instead of living out what, of what could be or what should have been. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, a comfort in, so allowing that grief and then, you know, because you you never completely recover from, from a loss. It doesn't matter who it is or, or if it was a death or, or something else that was, you know, a significant trauma in your life, uh, you know, it, it changes you. And so there's never a 100% day that you're like, I'm absolutely recovered. I am no longer affected by that loss. That, that just doesn't happen. But when you allow yourself to go to that place and, and grieve and, and feel the emotions, um, then later when, you know, they talk about how grief comes at you like waves, you know, and, and so later, you know, it could be a couple of months later, you'll hear a song or something that will trigger a memory that will trigger, you know, some significant emotions of grief and stuff. And I found for me that once I finally, because I, I resisted, you know, immediately I was, I was in denial of, you know, oh, I'm, I'm at peace with this already. No, I was in denial. Um, <laughs> I was just big bacon. Um, but, uh, you know, once I, I did allow myself to be in that place, I found that I was strong enough to come out of that place on my own too. And that had been a fear of mine is that if I let myself be sad, you know, I have two kids to, to care for and to parent and to lead by example. And what if I can't pull myself together? And when I saw that I could, and I just trusted it, um, later when these waves of grief would hit me, it was, I felt okay and I felt safe to let myself have those feelings because I knew that I could pull myself back out of it and I was in control. And that's, that's a big thing for me. I'm, I'm a little bit of a control freak. So, um, you know, to, to know that I was strong enough to yeah. do that um, helped me a lot. Yeah, the, the, that resonates uh, resonates with me. It rings true uh, in my experience as well. My my experience of grief is much like like you talk about with a wave. 
um, mm-hmm. or it's deep sadness or something like that. It's almost like mm-hmm. it's almost like standing on the shore of the ocean and looking across the horizon. And then uh, and for me, it's like you, I kind of see like that might be a wave out there. Right. And then um, and then as it starts to get closer, like, oh, no, that's a wave. And what I what I what I had done or what had the ability to do for so long in my life was just be able to like push those waves down, just be like, oh, that's not there before it got to short. And then, and then, um, I learned, uh, necessarily. So I think to, to allow that wave to come in, the trouble was, is that first experience of, of really deep sadness is that wave that comes over. And I felt like, boy, this is, this is the tsunami, right? It like hits and then all of a sudden pushed back under the water. Everything's deep. Everything's dark. I'm never coming up. I'm not going to survive this. And then, and then at, after 24 hours or something, it's like an absurdly long time. It seems all of a sudden it's like, boop, like I'm above the water. Okay. I survived this. Oh, that's mm-hmm. what that was like. And it, and it almost by repetition or through repetition, uh, the learning to understand what that process is like and then develop coping mechanisms, good positive coping mechanisms to come out of that mm-hmm. has, um, has allowed, I think, allowed the experience or can allow the experience of, you know, quote unquote, negative emotions or whatever, allow those experiences to come, which they have to. It's, right, it's one of those right. things that we keep pushing them down, pushing them away. There's no place for them to go. They're just pushed into some hypothetical, you know, area yeah. with within us, which trust gas. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Which Isn't then it, it comes exploding out. Volume, right. <laughs> yeah. It comes back to get you in all sorts of uh, fantastic ways, mm-hmm. which, which uh, is, I think um, it's, it seems to be that grief and loss is a clarifying experience. The, the process of, feeling those emotions, uh, some, somehow clears out some of the stuff in our, in our psyche. Uh, and then also, uh, through that process of clearing, it also, it almost seems we come out with, with better, better, um, better sight. We can see more clearly if, uh, through that process. What, yeah. what do you think of that? I would agree with that. I think that, um, you know, you're, you're forced, forced to focus on, mm. um, you know, the priorities when, when you're faced with, you know, even if it's not your own, uh, death, um, you're, and you're faced with our, our own mortality and, uh, you start thinking about what kinds of things matter and what kinds of things don't, you know, what is just silly and petty and, uh, what, what can I do without and, and how can I, you know, make my time moving forward more joyful or less stressful or simpler or, you know, closer to my vision for my life. Um, just, you know, you start to, to think about those things and evaluate, you know, what's, what's the junk food in my life that I could clear out, you know, Where's where's the potato chips that can you know, be thrown away and the donuts or you know whatever R- whatever your vice is reminds reminds me of a comedian I was listening to uh, last night <laughs> and he said something like you know you're human when 
uh, he says, he said, um, have you ever, have you ever, uh, looked back and thought if I would have spent five minutes a day on something, I could have been an expert in it by now. And yet you could still not find the motivation today right. to start. And, and it does, it seems that, uh, it seems that when we have, when we don't allow ourselves those clarifying experiences, the things that we wanted, the, 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 the things that we want to focus on, they just, they disappear. We don't pay attention to them. But when we see mortality, when we see there's an end, all of a sudden we're like, oh, wait a second. It brings a focus. I think that mm-hmm. our lives need, um, yeah. because without it, I think, um, yeah, I think we, I think a lot of us, me certainly, uh, would not find some of the motivation to do the things that, that I've done. Yeah. So yeah. you're speaking, you're speaking engagement stuff, um, and public speaking is, am I right in, in hearing that you are, you're using your story and the things that you've been through in your speaking? Yes. Yes. I have, I have, I have a few, uh, interesting things, uh, you know, kind of worked into, uh, speech. I worked with a coach and, and we recorded one on a, uh, a, a story from when I was, um, my kids were younger and we went to Disney world and I overcame fear of roller coasters and I got on this roller coaster with them and I was terrified. Um, but it was only a 62 second roller coaster ride. And I thought, you know what, I can, I can get through anything for 62 seconds. And so I went on the roller coaster ride. I didn't die. I didn't throw up on anybody. You know, I bought the tourist t-shirt to celebrate and made a big deal about it. And, but after that, I, you know, I had always told myself that, that I couldn't do roller coaster rides because I was too scared. Or I was too mm. this and too, too heavy. One of the other things that I've lost was I, I had uh, weight loss surgery five years and three day, three days ago. And I lost half of me. Wow. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I lost 145 pounds. Um, That's amazing. And so, but at that time on the roller coaster ride, I was still a very heavy person. And I was always afraid that like the, the lockdown bar wouldn't hold me or I wouldn't get it down far enough. And one of my small children would be next to me and they'd like slip out, you know, or anything. But after I made it through the ride and I, I survived and the the child who was strapped in with me didn't fall out, you know, (laughs) um, I started to ask myself, well, what else have I been telling myself was too scary that, or that I wasn't good enough to do, or that I was, you know, this or that. And, and since then I've been trying things and I've, I've overcome a lot of fears that weren't nearly as scary as I made them out to be. So that's, that's one of the topics that I, I hope to speak on and just kind of encourage people to question their own fears and, and their own limitations and find the strength to give it a shot anyway. Yeah. So five years ago, you had, uh, had weight loss surgery mm-hmm. and, and since then you've lost 145 pounds. Yep. In the first year I lost 145 pounds and then, uh, I've maintained all, but I have my COVID 10, you know, like just about everybody. Um, but I have my COVID-25, so we're good. <laughs> um, 
But otherwise, <laughs> I've maintained my weight loss and I lift weights and, uh, you know, I like to go hiking. I'm real active with my kids in scouting. Uh, and so we do a lot of, you know, activities through that. I've had uh, some amazing opportunities for some high adventure trips because of my weight loss. Um, shortly after my surgery, I, I got down below, you know, Boy Scouts of America, they have standards when you are going out to places where ambulances can't get to you, you have to have a certain health standard to be able to go. Mm. And so uh, my daughter and I were able to go on a 62 mile canoe trip in the uh, Atchafalaya swamps of Louisiana. Wow. And it was amazing. It took five days and we canoed and um, like the first day we canoed to a houseboat and we stayed overnight on a houseboat. And then the second day we canoed to um, an island where we slept in hammocks with bug nets over them. And, uh, you know, we, we saw alligators in the water while we were paddling through and we swam sometimes and they had some guides who would like watch the water, <clears throat> excuse me, um, watch the water for any alligators that would maybe try and sneak up on you. Um, and then, I mean, just the, the water birds were so amazing. And, um, the, you know, the, just the, the change of, of scenery and, and geography and, you know, everything like that. It was, it was just beautiful. And it's an experience I wouldn't have had if I hadn't right. lost weight. Yeah. That's a big, big deal. I, I mean, it's, it's a challenging, it's a challenging thing for anybody to lose weight. Um, especially, especially when lifestyle needs such a significant change, you know, yeah. I mean, no, no, nobody goes about, uh, keeping off weight for any period of time without a change in lifestyle. It sounds like you shifted not only your mindset, which is, uh, you know, the first, the first thing it seems, but then you followed through with shifting the things that you did, that you do and how you, how you treat your, how you treat the body that you have. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't, you know, a lot of people think that weight loss surgery is like the easy way out, but it doesn't make cheesecake and ice cream taste bad. You know, brownies are still amazing. It just makes me not feel good now. Um, but once in a while, you know, a bite or two is, is still something that I do. But, uh, you know, there, yeah, you have to completely change how you think about things and um, change your, you know, establish very clearly to yourself what your priorities are, what's important to you. Um, and you have to develop an, uh, a lot of self-discipline. And when that fails you, you need people around you who can hold you accountable because, you know, you can't always count on, on motivation and discipline because some days it's just not there, you know, but if you have people who are supporting your, your goals, um, and they will help you and they, you know, maybe when they go buy groceries, they don't come home with a quart of ice cream. That's your favorite flavor. Or sometimes they do, you know, and, and then right. there are some words exchanged. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is one of the keys. It's to, the key is to not have the, the, to, to cut out all of the things and just not have them available. Right. Uh, right. I was talking with somebody the other day about, um, about uh, decision-making and how we have, we have a finite capacity to decide things throughout, you know, in, in, in any given day. And that, 
that finite capacity is is refreshed, but um, it's it's a it's the uh, uh, it's early in the morning, so I'm forgetting the word for it. But it's uh, basically it's it's the capability for decision. You get a hundred percent, and every decision we make, no matter how small it is or how big it is, depletes that oh. capacity of a hundred percent decisions. Right. Right. Um, and, and as you get closer, is this the conversation where as you get closer to the event, there are fewer possibilities? Oh, that was a different, that was a different one. That was on uh, yeah. quantum. Uh, that yeah. was on free was will heavy, and yeah, that was quantum, awesome. uh, yeah. twice. quantum entanglement. <laughs> yes. That was, I, it was I really interesting. That. Yes. Well, the, the, the conversation I was having regarding decision-making was that, um, we, we tend to over, um, over decide. We make so many decisions that when it comes to then like, Hey, what are we going to have for dinner? Or I'm hungry. I need something. It's just like, boom, go for the easy because it's the, it's the fastest. It's the least, um, uh, uh, the most efficient, the least mm -hmm. energy. So it's the decision that takes the least energy. Mm -hmm. And so crafting, you know, from a food standpoint, crafting lifestyle really is what environment do I have around me? And many people, um, you know, met many people who have weight loss surgery don't don't uh, don't keep the weight off. They put it right back on, and with with sometimes more so, um, yeah. it, because I think a lot of times because environment has such a great factor to to play in who we become and who we are. Uh, and it seems to me that you you have shifted your environment uh, to support your you know to support the lifestyle that you want to have. Right. Yeah, there are, you know, I, I do some meal prepping. I try to always have fresh vegetables cut up. You know, I always have the ingredients to do a couple of, you know, simple, very quick, easy things. Um, you know, my my kids, I'm very lucky. My my kids are very not picky eaters. Um, so, you know, I'm not having to prepare, you know, the, the super healthy, low calorie, low fat, whatever, um, meal for myself. And then a separate meal, of, you know, whatever for them. Um, you know, this is our journey. I, I made it our journey. They didn't really get a say in it. Um, unless they want to make their own dinner. Uh, <clears throat> but, um, they, they came along, you know, easily and, and happily. And, you know, they're, they're great at eating vegetables and, and, you know, now left to their own devices. Will they, you know, eat an entire family sized box of macaroni and cheese. Sure. Absolutely. Um <laughs> I just try not to try not to look, you know, I'm like, wow, well, they're they're growing, you know, okay. Once in a while that's that's a you know, a thing that should happen. But uh but, you know, they've been been great about it and that has made it significantly easier for me because um yeah, you if you don't change how you think about food you'll go right back to it as soon as you're you know if you reach a you reach a goal and you're like okay well i did that now i can you know go back to hitting the drive-through once a week and then pretty soon you're hitting the drive-through two or three times a week and and then you know pretty soon you're you know downing two whoppers or you know whatever um it's you know it's this habit creep and it, it sneaks in with just as just an exception and then it becomes a habit and then it becomes a bigger habit, you know, and we can build, you know, I, I just not too long ago read um, the book Atomic Habits 
And oh. you know, you can you can build bad habits little by little, just as easy as well, probably easier than you can build good habits um, because they're easier. Uh, because there's a there's probably a, a better payoff in your brain because you know it's a quicker satisfaction. And so, you know, things like I'm going to steal one French fry from your thing and pretty soon I'm having three or four and then I feel kind of bad because I'm always stealing your French fries. So I get myself a small fry and then, you know, I get used to that and then I eat a medium fry and, you know, so you just have to not, not let yourself, you know, have that crab it, crab it, have it creep and build. I love the word crab it though. That's yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was a good flip. I was like, yes, I'm on board. Krabbits. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to do the Myers trademark it. Yeah. Well, along the lines of lifestyle change, you know, we began, we began talking about some pretty heavy topics about death mm-hmm. and loss and, and grief. And, you know, weight loss is, weight loss is a topic that a lot of people deal with as well, which also is, I think there's grief in that it, to some degree as well, because we're, it, it's a loss. It's a leaving behind of F the familiar right? and moving ahead into something that's unfamiliar. And often which, pretty uncomfortable initially. At least. Yeah, for sure. Uncomfortable. And, and whether it's, whether it's weight loss surgery or it's like, I got to get back in the gym and, you know, and, and take off this stuff and cut out, you know, cut out the foods and, and drinks I shouldn't be having. There, there is, there is, I think some grief to that. And, and in either case, it seems to me that being, being willing and assertive, not only willing, but assertive about changing our circumstances, changing the things that, that are around us to move us forward into the people that we are becoming or want to be. That's, that seems to be, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's an active process rather than, rather than a passive process. So as you've moved through, through grief or or created new habits, you know, I know I'm, I'm an amazing, uh, we'll say researcher. Um, I, I know that, you know, you used to be a trainer and I know, you know, that you like karaoke and I know a lot of things about you. Um, I would be like, you sure do. <laughs> I would be like a really, really bad ex-girlfriend because I could find out just about anything. <laughs> um, but so what are some things that you did as you were trying to change habits or change, you know, career paths or whatever to, you know, help yourself through it? One of the most important things that I've found is surrounding myself with people who uh, are real supports and not just, um, not just friends. Right. So there's, there, there are people that we know and I'll speak for myself. There's people that I know who are friends, but they're not necessarily support. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be that, that, uh, and I'll, I'll use I statements in, in all of this. Cause I think people should use I statements. Um, but for me, I've probably not allowed certain people to become support. They might be great support, but I've not allowed that because I'm sort of a, I'm sort of a hands, I'm a, I'm like a arm's length kind of guy sometimes. So the, I do know that, um, 
I've been strategic about surrounding myself sometimes with, with people who are like, I need this type of person in my life. And I make it known to that individual, like, this is like, I need you to play this role at times for me, because I just know that this isn't a, a, a place that I'm, I'm good at. And there is, there's a great, great friend of mine. Um, and he, he helped me. There was, there was a time when, uh, you know, he could, he's, he's one of those friends uh, where I guess we're, we're very similar, but he's one of those friends that you can just send a text message or, or respond to a text message usually. And, and he's like, something's not right. Uh, and I love that kind of, I love that kind of friendship. Uh, so, you know, he sent a, te sent a text message to me and I responded and he's, and he's like, how are you? How are you doing? And I was like, me, I don't even know what I said right at the time, but he was, but he poked at that a little bit. And all of a sudden he's, you know, videoing me and, uh, and it was a, and I was really struggling at that time. Uh, it's so much. So there was just, it was one of those days where it's like, I don't even know what to do. Maybe nothing's important. Right. You right. Know, it wouldn't matter anyhow. And, uh, and I was, I was in this funk. Right. Uh, you, you probably recognize them and I prior viewers and listeners recognize what it's like to be in that funk. And I was just like, I'm not going to get this. I'm, I don't, I'm so capable. Um, I've, and I even know what to, I even know what to do, but I just don't have the willpower to do it. Couldn't figure it out. And, and he said to me, um, he said, what's one thing that you can, what's one thing that you can do that's, that's important today. And I was like, oh, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, and so finally gave me the answer. He's like, well, how long is it going to take you? And it was something like 20 minutes. And I was like, about 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so he said, well, here's what, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get up and you're going to drink a full glass of water. And I was like, <laughs> fine. And, uh, so I did. And then he says, okay, now you're going to go for a mile run. And I want you to call me when you get back. I was like, I don't want to go for a mile run. He's like, go for a mile run and call me when you get back. And I was That's like, awesome. fine. So I did. And then he says, now drink another full glass of water. I'm like, fine. And he says, now, what's that one thing you can do that's going to take you 20 minutes? You're going to do that. And then you're going to call me when you're done. And it wound up taking like 10 minutes, right? And, and, he, and he systematically walked me through that day. And I, to me, one of the one of the most critical factors is is looking uh what when when i've needed to to move forward it's less about looking inside i already know the things that i should be doing i'm clearly not doing them um i need that outside input i need to be surrounded by people and and i think i think there's a wisdom in picking who those people are and being right. assertive about that rather than just letting uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it so flippantly, but letting the universe decide, um, there is, there is a time for that, but how, how about picking the people and saying, Hey, I need, I need support. And here's what support looks like to me sometimes. Can you yeah, do that for me? It's not always the same. Yeah. You know, totally. Sometimes you need somebody, you know, to just be a cheerleader. And sometimes you need somebody to be the bad cop and somebody who needs sometimes you need somebody to just sit there and poke at you until you know and yeah yeah I have I I consider my friends in like circles and and you know like the inner circle I I always I hold a friendsgiving every year and, and that inner circle is invited to friendsgiving 
And I always tell them, you're invited because I trust you enough that I could call you with a, you know, I, I could be out on a highway at two o'clock in the morning with a flat tire and, and I could call you and A, you would answer the phone and B, you would come help me. Even if it was winter and, you know, a really lousy night, you would come help me. And I have that trust in, in you. And so that's, you know, that's the, that inner circle of people that I have that kind of trust with them. But, but even within that inner circle, there are, you know, like, like you said, there are, there are the people who will recognize, um, cause some people I don't even talk to as much as, you know, some people I talk to almost daily and other people, you know, I don't talk to that often, but every time I talk to them, it's like, I, it's like, I just talked to them yesterday. You know, there's that familiarity and that ease in the relationship. Um, but other people, you know, but, but any of them I could, you know, I can call them at two o'clock in the morning and they would answer my call because they are concerned enough about me to be like, oh, yeah. well, what the heck is she calling at two o'clock in the morning for? You know, something's wrong. Okay, I'm, I'm going to answer this call. And uh, you know. that brings to my mind the other, the other thing that I would say, which is pruning, pruning the tree of friendship. Yeah. Um, uh, by, what I, what I found in my life is that there are sometimes there are folks who are energy takers and they're energy ad givers, right? Mm -hmm. The people who I come in contact with, who I come away refreshed, not unchallenged. That's not the difference. That's not, you know, taking energy and being challenged are not synonymous. And I feel like sometimes people think that they are like, oh my gosh, I, well, you just want people to, you know, uh, just give you attaboys. That's not at all the case. Right. However, there are some people who, who take from us our energy and it's it, we can almost feel it in our gut it's like i'm walking away from this thing going going like i i'm not refreshed like yeah. this is i i don't feel like i contributed much and i think you just took it all yeah and i don't and i don't have and i have little left now having talked to you yeah and and i feel like those those folks should not be allowed in the inner circle particularly when when we're going through times where it's like, I need to conserve all the energy I have and, and you can't take it. You got to go find your energy someplace else. And right. that's, so it's, so I think, uh, being, being assertive about adding people in who can be support and then allowing people out, um, who, who are looking, you know, they're looking for too much more, maybe more so than can, than, uh, I can give at the time. Right. Yeah, you know, and and we have seasons in our life when when we need different things, and you know, yeah. sometimes, um, you know, sometimes I need a friend that I feel that I am needed, and and that I mm -hmm. feel that you know I can pour into this person and help them, and and that makes me feel good that you know I am able to build them up or or whatever, and then. And then sometimes you need to let that go and be like, okay, this is what I could do here. And um, not that the friendship doesn't serve me anymore, but it's not, uh, it's, it's, it needs to go to an outer circle, uh, you know, take a step out into the circle ring and, and uh, not be as close as it was before. You know, it's not that I'm going to be like, you know, 
I'm unfriending you in my life. Um, but but I may not reach out to them as as frequently as I used to, or sure. you know, and I I'm not going to call them when I'm troubled or you know things like that. Um, I think it's just the principle of, uh, or for me, I think it's the principle of you know putting on your own mask first, or working out of the surplus, right? If if there's not a surplus, it's very hard to give, right? Um, particularly emotionally, uh, I think, and and sometimes it's easy to get caught in a cycle of giving more than what you have when really, and I found this to be true, getting in a cycle of giving when really I should be taking care of myself. I got stuff I need to take care of inside first. And it's mm -hmm. a convenient distraction to yes. not have to deal with that stuff because it's super difficult sometimes. Yeah. I don't have to deal with that because it's really important I deal with you. <laughs> right. No, 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 it's not. You need to deal with yeah. you. I need to deal with me. Don't yeah. become distracted. It's like doing, you know, working ahead in, you know, let's say spelling is super easy for you. So you do like the next six assignments of spelling instead of the currently, you know, do tomorrow chemistry homework. Um, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to really dig into that and, and research and, you know, look some things up. But spelling, it's, I can ace that easy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was college that I was, um, I was away for college for a little bit and I was, I'm a self-taught programmer. Um, and I, I learned programming before they taught programming in schools. And so by the time I hit college, I had already written applications and sold stuff. And I mean, wow. I was, I was a good programmer. So then I'm, I end up in college in a computer science class and, uh, I hated the homework, hated it because it was just time consuming. I already knew how to do the stuff. It was just going to take too much time. And I was like, I am not spending all this time just to prove I know how to do it. I already know how to do it, but it wasn't an option of just taking the tests. Um, and so, but what happened is I became distracted. I allowed myself to become distracted and decided that I would tutor all the other kids. So I was, I was, you know, happily answering questions, taking all sorts of time, tutoring the other kids in the class, but I wasn't doing my own homework, which, which is an interesting, I mean, there's a, there's a rabbit hole of self-discovery in that. Uh, but I think it's, uh, I think that type of, that type of mentality about, Hey, I'm, uh, you know, look, look I'm being a hero, taking care of everybody else. Uh, look, look how important that I'm is. And then not taking care of yourself is a real trap. I think that, that well-meaning people can get into, uh, mm -hmm. certainly me, I won't broad brush everybody on that, but <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll include myself in that. <laughs> Yeah. So as, as you're looking, as you're looking at the future ahead here, you've done, you've, you've obviously done a lot of work in, uh, uh, to, to come to the understandings that you're, that, that you have. And it seems to be that you have some sort of thread there in the story to tell, and you're, mm -hmm. you're putting the pieces together to be able to tell that story. What's, what's in your mind's eye for the future for you? Um, you know, I've seen. I think I, I want to to create hope and mm -hmm. I want people to have hope. I you know seeing how much more hope and and possibility I saw in tomorrow, knowing that I had the the strength and the skills to manage today and that tomorrow was gonna come and that I, I could you know, choose how I was going to react to today and tomorrow. 
and and I want to give that to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my work through through the scouts, you know, is I I see that all the time. I see the program working, and I see you know you know I started off when my son was you know in first grade as a den leader and. And these, you know, little kids, and they were super squirrely and running all over the place. And and there was this one kid that he just, just really pushed my buttons. And um, every after the den meeting, we would leave, and I'd be like, please let him quit, please let him quit, you know. And he didn't. And then, like in fifth grade, over Christmas break, like there was a miracle a cure occurred, and and he came back. And he was so awesome. And he, you know, his sense of humor had developed where he wasn't, didn't have like this, not really a bullying sense of humor before, but pretty close. And he was kind of disrespectful and stuff. And and then over Christmas, something magic happened and uh, a, a, a switch flipped. And, mm. and he became one of my favorite scouts. And, and watching him grow and go through that process and seeing them learning, you know, good decision-making skills and, and how to lead themselves and small groups of people and, you know, learn project management and, and all those kinds of things. It's just, it gives me hope for the future because I know that these are the people who are going to be in charge in the future and are going to be writing my, you know, retirement checks or whatever. And I'm like, yay, they know math and <laughs> they have values and, and, uh, um, so, you know, I want to continue to build those kinds of things into tomorrow. Wow. That's, yeah. that's a profound and worthwhile, um, task that you have ahead of you. It is. It's a big one, but, uh, I've decided that I am up for the challenge, you know, in Atomic Habits, he talks about you decide what kind of person you want to be. And then as you're making your habits or choosing, you know, making decisions and whatnot, you decide, you ask yourself, does this action support the kind of person I want to be? Is this going to help me get closer or not? And, you know, um, I've, I've found a path that I feel um, does support that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm convinced I, I, uh, I mean, I, I honor the space that you're in and the journey that you've had and that you'd be willing to come here to coffee with humans to share such, um, uh, vulnerability, right. I think is the word and vulnerable and, and talk to us about some really, I think, uh, things that we all have dealt with are, or will deal with at some point in our lives, whether it's, whether it's the, uh, you know, significant weight loss and, and recrafting our our lives and our circumstances or, or dealing with, uh, dealing with death and loss and grief and coming through that. I, it seems to me that you've also allowed these experiences and maybe it was already there and it's just, you know, you're strengthened maybe through these experiences to have that, um, fortitude, uh, and courage to move through these things. So I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to see what comes next. Thank you. It's kind of like, it's, uh, so I have a chemistry degree. I'm, I'm not using it, but I have a chemistry degree. And, I, and one of my okay. favorite classes looks this solid state chemistry. And we talked about um, when you heat something and then let it cool, um, it's, it removes impurities because as things heat and then they set back up again, um, 
crystal structure flaws correct themselves. You know, they, they change going from solid to liquid. And then as they uh, go back to solid, a lot of the structures are able to correct themselves and to become stronger. You know, that's why we heat treat metals and things like that. Um, we're removing impurities and strengthening bonds and things like that. And I, I kind of feel like that's maybe what, you know, the last six years has been for me. It's been this heat treating process. And, uh, um, you know, I, I would like to say, you know, that, you know, the, I, I am, I'm remarried now. And I, I don't want to go without saying that because my, my husband is wonderful. And I think that it's a, it's a big thing to marry, a, take on a, a widow in my mind because, you know, I didn't fall out of love before and to be okay with that is a big thing. Um, and, you know, to earn the, the love and devotion of a second amazing man is, is a, a blessing. Um, and, and he helps me, you know, to be strong and to be, you know, to move forward and have that courage and stuff. That's awesome. I yeah. mean, that's a, a, a necessary support system. Yes. Uh, that you, that you have. That's great. Yeah. Well, thanks to our viewers and listeners, Beth, this has been tremendous. Uh, thank, I, you. thank you so much for coming to coffee with humans and discussing these topics. Um, I love it. I take something from this, uh, and, and, it, and if it's, and if your goal is to, uh, is to give hope, inspire, inspire people to let them know that hope is there, uh, and mm -hmm. they can, they can find it themselves. You've certainly done that for me. So thanks. Thank you so much. Uh, and thanks to all of our viewers and listeners. Catch us next time on Coffee yeah. with Humans, candid conversations between strangers who become friends, which has been accomplished one more time. So yeah. thanks, my new friend, Beth, for being on Coffee with Humans. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. <laughs>